Hey everybody, Joel Johnson here with another Rainmaker Podcast. Today we are going to talk about what's gone on since March. Um, uh, As I record this, I believe it's July 29th, actually July 30th. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what I've learned. Uh, I know what some of you have learned because I've been talking to a lot of of you in the Rainmaker group over the last few months. And, uh, you know, sort of some lessons to set up for the future. But I think it's really, really important that we step back. And for some of you, you're a little overwhelmed or you've been overwhelmed and you've kind of gone into uh, brain freeze mode. Maybe some of you are acting a little robotic um, because you're just beat up. You know, here's something that we thought would last for two weeks to a month. And we are on, what what are we on, month five now? Um, And so we're going into month five. And so I think it's important that we step back, um, look at where we've come from and the perspective that I believe you should have on the business. And uh, this was triggered by me reading and and doing some listening to uh, some people that are not only good business consultants, um, but also people that have been through crises before. You know, I didn't go through the real estate crisis. I didn't have any real estate. Um, I went through the dot-com bubble and lost a whole bunch of money in my IRA, which was the only money that we had saved. Um, but luckily, in perspective, although at the time it seemed like all the money in the world, it was um, pretty small, uh, pretty small amount compared to you know where I am now, almost 20 years later. Um, looking back, you know, I, I did not go through the um, the late 80s when there was tremendous tax advantages to buy real estate, and of course, uh, with the passing of I forget if it was Tefra or something else that that uh, removed the ability to take these massive tax advantages for real estate. A lot of real estate collapsed in the late 80s, early 90s, particularly the limited partnerships that were being promoted by a lot of the wirehouses as well as uh, direct ownership of real estate. So I, I did not go through any of those things. Um, obviously, I went through the economic slowdown and the, and the market hit to 2008. Um, but again, the business was much, much smaller back then. So I want to talk about what's gone on in the last little while and the lessons I've learned. And as you know, I like to break these things down really, really simply. And when I look at our business, I look at um, the two biggest expenses that we have. And the two big, biggest expenses for our business at Johnson Brunetti are payroll and marketing. Payroll and marketing, that's it. And if I have to go into defensive mode, if I'm forced to go into defensive mode, and I want to back up because we were not forced to do this, um, but if I am forced to go into defensive mode and try to preserve cash flow, because remember, cash flow is one of the most important things. Um, If some of you understand gap accounting, or accrual-based accounting, you can be profitable and run out of cash. You can be very, very profitable and run out of cash. And that's probably another lesson or a discussion for another time of how that can work for those of you that don't understand GAP or accrual-based accounting. Um, So it's not always about the profits. It's about the cash flow. Are you positive cash flow or are you going to run out of cash? And when we look at that, we have to do some basic projections on what's going to come in and we have to look at what are our biggest expense items. Sometimes it's easier to, uh, to save 5% or 10% off a big expense item than it is to cut out an entire small expense item. And obviously, it may have a bigger impact on the company. So as I look at marketing and payroll, um, luckily, we did not have to reduce payroll. Payroll automatically reduced 
with advisors commissions because advisors commissions are directly tied to revenues which is kind of an advantage in our business if you have associate advisors if you have other financial advisors and they get let's just say uh, 25 percent of whatever revenue they bring in and they bring in less revenue you immediately have um, a savings of 25 percent I didn't explain that very well, but I think you guys get it. For a dollar of revenue, if the advisor doesn't bring in a dollar of revenue, I don't lose a dollar of revenue. Um, I lose kind of a net gross margin of 75 cents because I would have given 25 cents to the advisor. So um, payroll is sort of self-adjusting for our highest paid employees, which are me and Eric, and then the advisors next. Um, but, but um, you know, so then I get an automatic cut in salary with our highest paid people but then I have to look at well what do we do with the other people do I have jobs that I don't need anymore you know particularly in the marketing area if we are forced to not be able to do workshops which is not only a massive expense for marketing probably direct costs at least 50% maybe 60% of my marketing if I can't do that then I've got to look at okay well I've automatically been forced to cut a budget item. I can't do workshops anymore. So we've got massive savings. But how am I going to replace some of that revenue? Now, something that's very important that happened in the last few months with us is we were just as profitable. And I don't mean just as profitable from a percentage basis. I mean net bottom line is in some cases we've been just as profitable on a month-to-month basis because these massive expenses have been cut out of our marketing by not being able to do workshops. Now, I realize that's kind of a short-term measurement because we're also not bringing in assets that'll pay reoccurring revenues for a long, long time. Um, but let's just look at the cash flow today on that. Again, I get some automatic savings on payroll because I've reduced what my advisors are getting paid automatically. If they're writing less, they're getting paid less. And so I don't take a dollar for dollar hit to revenues. And from a marketing standpoint, I was forced to cut back because we can't do payroll. But then the key is, so we've looked at the two biggest expense items, right? Marketing and payroll. But then the key is, how do we set up to springboard into the future, right? Think of it as a rubber band being pulled back and you've got all this torque happening or a spring being pushed down and you've all got all this torque. And the question is, how do you launch that so that you go forward? And again, I would say to you, we've got to be careful that we're not so obsessed by moving forward that we don't look at what's happening today from a cash flow standpoint. So in our case, we lost the ability to do workshops, a significant expense, but also a significant revenue generator. And so instead of just throwing money at marketing, which I know some of you have done, you know, we've done all these online things we've got all this energy that's been expended and remember I want you to think of energy as currency also um, so all this obsession all this energy that's being expended and we've got to take a look at has it really been worth it I'm not saying it hasn't been worth it I'm not saying learning online ways of marketing uh, maybe learning ways to further engage your clients to get new assets and so on I'm not saying it's not worth it but I think we really have to be careful of saying okay there's energy that gets sucked out of the room to do some of those things and could that energy be used elsewhere so again just backing up what we're talking about here today we're talking about number one um, biggest expenses, payroll and marketing. Uh, number two, what do we do when we've made sure those things are under control? Do we need to lay a few people off, particularly in the marketing department if they're not as busy? Uh, maybe an appointment setter if you're not 
you know, having as many appointments, maybe that's not as difficult a department to manage. So maybe we need to go from three to two. We haven't done that yet, but you should look at that. And then once we've got some expenses under control and you're at least cash flow neutral, at least get to cash flow neutral, then we have to say, okay, how are we going to spring out of this? And be real careful in the middle. There's this old saying that the middle of anything is the most difficult. Um, at the beginning of something, we're all excited. We're all turned on. Hey, it's a new thing. It's a new challenge. That's how I was feeling in March and early April. Then the middle is tough. And then the end will be awesome. So, And I feel like for us, we're at the end because we've made these, these great adjustments, even though we can't do as many workshops. So I'm excited again. But that middle is tough. In the middle, we have to be very, very careful because that's when you can burn one of your most important currencies, which is energy as well as cash. So... What do we do once we've got those marketing and, and payroll expenses under control? Well, number one, be real cautious. As soon as you start cutting back on marketing, assuming you've got a positive return on your marketing, you're dying. You're going backwards. You know, you can't cut costs into success. Sooner or later, you've got to have revenues that either slow down slower than the cost cutting or that start to grow again. So we want to trim the fat, but we want to be, again, careful of that most important currency, which is energy and cash. And be careful that you're not burning through cash while you're burning through energy. Just be careful. Um, some, for some of us, we've learned during this time that it's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity in getting more money from clients and getting more referrals from clients. And so one of the things that we've done is we've given a direct incentive to advisors where if they get a referral and that referral becomes a client, we'll just cut a check for 2000 bucks. Uh, we're not going to give them a higher payout. We're not going to, you know, I don't want complexity. I don't want our bookkeeper trying to figure out, you know, what, where did this business come from? What's the payout? We just keep the payout the same, but I'll write a check for $2,000 for any referral that becomes a client. What this gives them the incentive to do is get at least one new client per week from referrals. If they ask for three or if they get three or four referrals that they're able to have appointments with per week, they're going to get at least one new client a week. Four new clients in a month equals an extra eight grand. We have people under an old legacy compensation system where there's no base and a big percentage. We have people under a new compensation system where there's a base and a smaller percentage. Um, but regardless of what incentive they're under, 8000 bucks a month as an incentive to get a client through a referral is phenomenal. And for us, if I have to pay $2,000 to acquire a client through a referral, um, that's no big deal. I, I don't mind paying $2,000 to acquire a client because I know our cost of acquiring a client through, certainly through workshops, is much more expensive than that. But again, I want to back up a little bit here. You look at your two big expenses. For us, it's marketing and payroll. You make sure you have that under control. Make sure you're cash flow positive. Go to the places where it's easiest to get business, clients, maybe do some client events, maybe do some referral events, but try to get your advisors so at least one person a week is becoming a client through referrals, which means you might need to get three referrals a week or four referrals a week or five referrals a week from an advisor and pay them for the referrals. You've got to be careful because if you don't add value to them by filling their calendar or managing all that, they're going to say, well, if I'm in charge of generating the leads, I might as well go off on our own. And so just be careful of that. So then we've got the referrals going. Then the question is, how do we maximize other avenues? Well, TV, you got to maximize the stuff you're already doing before you try and have your energy sucked into something new. So again, for us, it's TV. For us, it's radio. For some of you, it might be uh, email marketing, which we do a lot of. But organic marketing to the people you already have a relationship ought to be focused on first. And then 
And only then do you get involved in new marketing, Facebook to webinar, and things like that. Um, I know following that marketing for financial advisors, Facebook page and whatnot, you know, there's, there's a big sexy um, thing of people being enamored with getting new clients from webinars and things like that. And we're doing that. And by the way, it's phenomenally profitable for us. It's working out incredibly well um, for us. And it gives advisors a great opportunity to do uh, more activity. And um, it's exciting for our advisors. It's very profitable for us. And so, you know, that's important. But again, I want to do that to cold prospects uh, after I've maximized everything else. And um, I see conversations and we can break these webinars down in two simple ways. One is um, webinars or any kind of digital marketing to existing clients. And two is webinars to cold prospects. And what I'm talking about here now is digital marketing to cold prospects. That is very important. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. But that should be focused on after we've maximized our existing clients. Get to cash flow break even, then get to cash flow positive. Don't forget that your energy is a currency. Make sure that when your energy is being spent, if you're getting frustrated with something, take a step back and go, why am I being frustrated with this? Because that will suck your energy that can be used maybe for other easy, profitable, lucrative, and fun activities. Elf. Joe Polish has a saying called Elf. Um, Easy, lucrative, and fun. And so uh, hopefully this has helped a little bit for you today. Again, sometimes it's an open discussion. Sometimes it's me just talking. As uh, you can hear, squeaky racing brakes there. I'm on my way to a track. Uh, Sometimes it's me just talking and thinking things through. I want to hear, I want you guys to hear how I think things through. Um, But I'm just, I'm excited about the business. I'm excited about the freedom that we have. I'm excited that getting through this with some of us that have um, practices and businesses that are built on bringing in new clients, that um, um, we have had to learn new ways of bringing in new clients. Most advisors have been in complete defensive mode. If that's you, make sure you set up. Uh, properly for the next situation like this because it will come. I would count on it happening about every five or ten years in your business. Some of you have been caught off guard. Um, shame on you. Uh, you got to run your businesses a little bit better. And I don't mean shame on you that you're... I don't know what I meant by that. But, you know, if, if you've learned a lesson where you've had a cash flow problem, let that be a tuition payment. Let that be a tuition payment for the future. So, Again, two most important things. Where are the expenses coming from? For us, it's marketing and employee costs. Number two, how do I stabilize my cash flow? Uh, Number three, don't spend a whole bunch of new energy on new stuff, even though it's sexy and exciting and all you see on the Facebook posts for certain um, uh, things and advertising is how to get new clients, how to get new clients, maximize your existing relationships. And then last but not least, how do we learn how to do marketing? Um, the webinar situation, the cold prospects, is we finally figured that out. I'm really excited about that. We'll be talking about that a little bit more in September, um, maybe a lot more. Um, some of you have figured that out. Some of you are struggling. And um, some of you are deceiving yourselves, thinking it's working out better than it really is. Um, but again, you got to figure out how many new clients you want to bring in a week. Um, I think that's a good number to look at. And then back into how many appointments do you need to do that? If you want to bring in five new clients a week, do you need 15 new appointments? Do you need 20 new appointments? Do you need 25 new appointments? Figure out those numbers and then, you know, springboard forward. 
So hopefully this has been helpful, me talking through this uh, today. Um, again, I'm really excited about the future. I'm excited about the struggle that some of us have gone through. By the way, make sure you get away from the office for a week or two. Shut off your email. Um, take advantage of that this summer. Uh, we've been through a bit of a battle, some of you tougher than others. Um, you've learned some good things that you're doing. You've learned, learned some things that have to correct. Shut down for a week or two. And when I say shut down, walk out of the office, tell people you're on your own. If the building burns down, you're on your own. If the computer system crashes, you're on your own. If somebody files a complaint, you're on your own. All of that stuff can wait for a week or two. Regenerate yourself. Save your energy. Uh, get away from the office. Enjoy the rewards that you've had in this business and that you can have in this business and the freedom that you have. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel stressed, if you can't get out of a situation, call a friend. Uh, call me. We'll talk it through. And um, again, look forward to uh, the last four months of the year being absolutely awesome. And again, you don't only get paid by cash. Uh, you get paid by experience, by the wisdom that you learn. And you learn the wisdom through the tough times, through the struggle. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon here on the Rainmaker Podcast.